Well, it's, it's good to be here. So as Ed said, my name's Josh. I'm, I'm married to Emily. We've got two kids, and we moved here about four years ago to be part of the team that planted this church. Uh, and we love being here. We love this church. We love that we get to do it in beautiful, sunny Devon. And uh, if you've never been here before, then you are super, super welcome. I hope you're having a happy time. Hopefully this is a happy place. Um, Last week we began this new teaching series and um, we heard about this young man called Jeremiah who God called to be a messenger or or the Bible calls it a prophet to the people of, of Israel. But Jeremiah says, I don't think I can do that. No thanks. And um, it's understandable that Jeremiah was hesitant because God had called him to be a a speaker of truth in a period of significant moral decline in Israel. I I don't think I would have wanted to deliver a pizza to these people, let alone a message from God. But you see, God loved them too much and he thought far too much of them to let them carry on wasting their lives in this way. So Jeremiah was called to speak some unpopular and unwelcome words. So today we're going to tackle one of his first messages. And um, I'm going to warn you, it's it's not a comfortable one to read. Um, If you've ever read any of the Old Testament prophets, you might have found them to be a little bit full on, um, a little bit sort of swashbuckling in their language. And that's because they are, right? The Bible is unapologetically intense <laughs> when it comes to the prophets. Um, but just remember as we read that, that this is an eccentric guy writing in a different time, in a different cultural context. And then it's been painstakingly translated into English. But, but don't worry, there is life to be found in it. Right, so do we dare... Shall we do it? Yeah. 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 Ed wants to, so we will. So this is Jeremiah chapter 4. I'm going to read from the New Living Translation. It should appear on the screens. O Israel, says the Lord, if you wanted to return to me, you could. You could throw away your detestable idols and stray away no more. Then when you swear by my name, saying, as surely as the Lord lives, then you could do so with truth and justice and righteousness. And then you would be a blessing to the nations of the world and all people would come and praise my name. This is what the Lord says to the people of Judah and Jerusalem. Plow up the hard ground of your hearts. Do not waste your good seed among the thorns. O people of Judah and Jerusalem, surrender your pride and your power. Change your hearts before the Lord, or my anger will burn like an unquenchable fire because of all your sins. And mic drop. (laughs) Do we want to say amen to that? (laughs) I don't know. Let's just take a breath. (laughs) When I was a kid, we lived in the Channel Islands. And um, when, you, when you live on an island, you get really used to traveling back and forth. And I was about 16 or 17, and my younger sister and I had been over to the UK to see friends separately. And so we were traveling back without our parents. And the flight was uneventful, but, but when we landed, the, the customs officer's dog went absolutely bonkers at my sister. 
And um, Guernsey's a really chilled out place. It's beautiful. It was a great place to grow up. Um, it's very safe. There's really low crime rates. But they have ferocious drug laws. And um, apparent, apparently the Channel Islands are um, like a drug smuggler's paradise. Um, so my sister and I are, are pulled into this side room. Like I say, I was about 17. She would have been about 15. And this drugs dog will not stop barking. There's something about my sister that's really wound this thing up. Um, so I look at my sister and I lay into her in the way that only an older brother can do. I'm saying, where have you been? Who have you been hanging out with? What have you got on you? What's in your bag? This is all on you. I am not going to prison for you. You have brought shame on our family. You know? <laughs> all of this. And the dog is making a racket. And then there's the customs officers, and they're also like barraging with question, her with questions. They're saying, where have you flown from today? Have you seen anyone before your flight? Is there anything on you that we need to know about? What is in your bag? And the dog is getting crazier and crazier and uh, she finally manages to get a word in edgeways and she says you don't understand she said I'm friends with the dog and it turns out my sister had been spending her weekends volunteering at the shelter where they look after these um, these service animals and her and this particular dog were best of friends <laughs> the, uh, the I don't know the drug squad let us go, when eventually um, she was able to back up her story by telling them the name of their dog. <laughs> so I felt pretty sheepish for being such a cross older brother. You know, every relationship encounters moments where things are strained, where things aren't easy, where there are conflicting perspectives. And the book of Jeremiah is written at a time when the relationship between God and his people was struggling. So, so hear this. If you are struggling in your faith right now, it's totally okay. It's biblical. Right? If you're new to this, if you're not sure about this Jesus thing, if this is your first ever time in church, when we say you belong here, we really, really, really mean it because, because the Bible is full of people who weren't sure. Right? Now, if you open a Bible you'll find that the first sort of probably quarter we call the Old Testament. And, and that's the bit that happened before the birth of Jesus. And the Old Testament is, 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 or much of the Old Testament, is the story of God establishing the nation of Israel. Now, today when we talk about Israel, it can be a little bit divisive because it's a really complicated part of the world, right? There's all sorts going on there. Um, but today we're talking about ancient Israel. And, um, and the Bible says that the ancient Israel with this tiny underdog nation who were chosen by God for a special purpose. About 900 years before Jeremiah, um, God made them this incredible promise. He said, through your offspring, all the nations on earth will be blessed. This was a, this was a promise, an agreement, a covenant that God made with the people that was meant to define them. And so God commanded them to set themselves apart, to be different from the surrounding nations as a sign and a reminder that, that they were 
there for a specific purpose. And so they lived in particular ways. They, they ate in particular ways. And they dressed in particular ways. And some of their laws are still written in the Bible for us. And a ton of them are, are if we're honest, really peculiar. Um, notably bizarre is that... Um, but apparently really important for the writers of the Bible, is that as a, as a physical, irreversible sign that they were set apart, God commanded that all the men were supposed to be circumcised. Erin, it's all right. You really pulled a face when I said that. <laughs> it wouldn't have affected you. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, I think it's extreme. Like, I was thinking a team T-shirt or a lanyard would have done the trick. Right, but uh, whatever, each to their own. Um, <laughs> Israel was set apart for this key purpose, that all the nations of the world, all people would be blessed through Israel because one day Jesus was going to be born among them. They were called to be this people of truth and justice and righteousness, who would walk closely with God because their purpose was to set the stage for Jesus. Now, Jesus, this king of heaven, who would take his crown off and step down from his throne and be born among us because he wanted to be with us. Jesus, who would show kindness and dignity and healing to people, irrespective of whether they, they looked like they deserved it or not. Jesus, who would amaze people by showing them what God is really like and, and this way of demonstrating both, both justice and mercy at the same time. Jesus, who would die on the cross, who would make a way for us to have right relationship with God again, and then he would rise from the dead victorious. Right? Jesus was going to change everything. Now, now, hear this. This is cool. Israel was supposed to be the environment from which the good news of Jesus would be launched into the rest of the world. What an amazing thing to live for. What an amazing thing to build a society for. Just like the Israelites of the Old Testament, I think that, that you and I are made for a purpose. I think we're called to something incredible. I believe that God is calling us to live lives that are distinctive from a lot of what we see around us and to set the stage for Jesus. If right now the reason that you get out of bed in the morning is, is to climb that career ladder or, um, or to accumulate wealth or, or find a partner or, or if you're just trying to scrape through, then the Bible says that God has more for you. God has something better for you to live for. I believe that the Bible shows us that, that we have a purpose which is to, to love God and be loved by God. And to live a life of truth and justice and righteousness. Much like the Israelites, your life is to be a place from which the goodness of Jesus will flow. Check this out. This is from, um, this is from 2 Corinthians. So this is, this is written in the New Testament. So after Jesus. God put the world square with himself through the Messiah. That's Jesus. Giving the world a fresh start by offering forgiveness of sins. God has given us the task of telling everyone what he's doing. We are Christ's representatives. 
God uses us to persuade men and women to drop their differences and enter into God's work of making things right between them. We're speaking for Christ himself now. Become friends with God. He's already a friend with you. That is a cool passage. I love that. In our old church, we had this, um, this project called King's Table. And uh, every week, we'd, ha- we'd serve probably 200 hot meals to um, homeless and vulnerable adults. And uh, I got quite involved with it. Um, and it was like the gritty front line of the church. It was the business end of being the church. And I, and I, and I loved it. And I learned this really important lesson when I was there, which is that that feeding people a meal is really important. And having a supply of fresh sleeping bags is really, really important. And giving people the opportunity to have a free haircut is really important. And helping people understand the benefit system and the housing system and what they might be entitled to, all of that kind of stuff is really, really important. But, but taking the time to dig really deep and really notice someone, Treating them with genuine kindness and dignity. That is what really made someone's day. And over and over and over and over again, I found that it was that that prepared someone to respond to the gospel. That's what set the stage for Jesus in their lives. And believe me, I'm not that nice. People think I'm a nice guy. I'm actually quite cantankerous. (laughs) Digging deep and going, Jesus, I want to be like you because this person deserves it. You say that they are worthy of your kindness, so I am going to be kind to you. That is what set the stage for Jesus in their lives. I believe, right, that, that God has positioned you for the people around you. And not just the people who are suffering and the people who need homes and all of that kind of stuff, or the people who aren't Christians yet. Like, you are to set the stage for whoever is nearby and whatever it is that Jesus wants to do in their life next. And think about if you're married, your, your spouse, your friends, your colleagues, the pupils or students that you study with, the cashier on the checkout who you just have you know, two minutes with, or if you're a parent, your kids. Jesus said this, he said, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Just ask yourself, like, is my life a place from which the goodness of Jesus flows? I don't mean are you a nice person, you're all nice people, of course you are. <laughs> is it a place where the goodness of Jesus flows? <laughs> Now, I'm trying to keep this light, right? But uh, you heard the passage. <laughs> we, uh, we live in this postmodern age where the idea of, of self-rule is really, really popular. Um, but, but, you know, it, see, it seems pretty clear to me when I read the Bible that, that God really cares about our conduct. He really cares about our conduct. He's, he's given us a Bible that says, this is the way that I want you to live. So he cares about our behavior and our attitudes, right? And I don't think it's because he's a killjoy or because he's a control freak, but because how, our, how we spend our time really makes a difference. Uh, and we see in our passage today, in a really uncomfortable moment, that, that God gets angry with the Israelites. 
And I think this is because he sees the extent to which they're wasting their lives. They're just getting it wrong. Now, if, if you've got kids, you, you, might, you not, might know what I'm talking about. There's this level of frustration that you have as a parent when your kids should know better. Right. I've, um, I think I've got this picture. Yeah. Um, th- these are our kids. Um, so this is Emily, my wife. Reuben is five. Eliza is two. Going on three. And, and they are amazing. Like, I love them so, so much. But you can tell from that photo that they're a handful, can't you? <laughs> There's a craziness in Reuben's eyes that <laughs> is threatening to uh, explode at any moment. Um, we have this white dresser in our kitchen. Um, and a while back, the kids managed to get this drawer open that had previously been far too high up and far too heavy for them to open. Uh, and it's where we apparently keep this extensive collection of um, permanent marker pens. Uh, and so our white dresser is not white anymore. <laughs> I, I, I sat Reuben down, and I was so annoyed because he, he, he knows he's not supposed to draw on the furniture, right? <laughs> and I sat him down, and I said, Reuben, this is not what we do. This is not what we do. But by the time that Jeremiah was alive, then the nation of Israel had become this awfully corrupt society. This was a place where where exploitation was commonplace, where the the wealthy systematically abused the poor. This is a place where, where sexual abuse and extortion and violence had become part of day-to-day life. There were patterns of sin that had made their way just into their culture. And so that the Bible shows us that, that normal people in their suffering and their confusion would, would turn and worship other gods. Or they would look to false prophets who were basically guys who looked a bit like Jeremiah but would just tell them whatever they wanted. Or they would begin to engage in all sorts of disgusting and vile occult practices just to try and find some peace and try and get some answers. You see, instead of setting the stage for Jesus, they were mucking about with this garbage way of life. And the Bible shows us that God God saw this and and he confronted their sin. And it's because he had something better for them. Now, here's here's what I think is really, really beautiful. Israel had wandered so far away from God. Like, this was not a nice place to be. They had wandered so far from God, and they had forgotten the purpose that God had given them. But God stuck by the words of his covenant. 900 years on, he stuck by his words. He says, oh, Israel, if you wanted to return to me, you could, then you would be a blessing to the nations of the world and all people would come and praise my name. It's like, it's kind of like he believed in his people when they didn't even really believe in him anymore. So I want to ask you a few blunt but really, really loving questions. Is there, is there any part of you that has wandered away? In your, in your attitude, in the way that you're behaving, in the way you see the world, in your sense of purpose, have you wandered away from God at all? Maybe God is confronting you just a little bit tonight. Are, are you walking closely with God? Are you letting him cultivate in you a life of 
of truth and justice. Like writing this talk has made me think about that for me. Like how intentional am I being about God cultivating those things in me? Or is he trying to sit some of us down and say, hey, this is not what we do. Come on, I've got something way better for you over here. Can we stand together? I'd love us to pray. I know it's been a bit of a heavy one. I believe that God made you for a purpose, which was to set the stage for Jesus. And he longs to see each and every one of us living out that purpose. And so today, if you're not walking with him, if you've wandered away a little bit, his arms are open. Return to him. I want to pray. Let's, let's close our eyes just so we can focus. Jesus, thank you for who you are. And th- thank you for this incredible story that, that spans thousands and thousands of years and that we get to be part of that story. Thank you that um, on this hot evening in a little church in Devon, we get to be part of this story. And so, Holy Spirit, would you come? Holy Spirit.